Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course, my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted to sample the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, your life improvement series starts now. Hey friends, welcome to Heal Squad All-Stars, where you get to hear from our top guests. Think of it as a cheat sheet to a better you. All of the best takeaways from the top experts in one show. Have your notebooks out and get ready to heal, my friends. This edition of Heel Squad All-Stars starts now. What do you think was the most helpful for you kind of to get yourself out? I always now call it the sunken place because of Kanye. Yes. What was the most important thing you think that helped lift you in those moments in the beginning as you were starting small? I would just say openness. That's it. Humility, trust, faith, not thinking I need to know all the answers or I need to have the full path revealed to me or no, I know my one singular purpose. It was, you know what? I know I'm unhappy. So I'm open to new ideas for how to be happier. I'm open to how other people, you know, what their practices. I'm open to these books that are teaching about mindset or psychology. I'm, I'm just open and I'm going to give myself patience to find what my path is or what my practices are. And I'm going to honor that struggle of figuring it out, not expect to be perfect, not expect to know it, but actually understand the struggle is going to be there. Anticipate the struggle is going to be there. No, I'm going to have days like this, not expecting the perfect days, just going, okay, I'm here for this. I'm going to honor this, whatever difficulty it is to become happier. I'm going to have to figure it out. And I think the learning mindset is critical. And then from there, it was just doing the work, read Mm -hmm. the books, get the mentors, take the courses, go to the seminars, you know, listen to the podcasts like we all do. No one who finds more happiness, not becomes happy forever, but who finds more happiness. No one does it by accidentally, you know, discovering it one day. You know, some people will say that, but the truth is it's usually a duration of time of making self-improvement a way of life. And self-improvement became a way of life. Happiness followed much longer. You know, that morning routine didn't give you immediate happiness. It was that you just, by all these little steps, you're increasing your sense of joy or confidence or progress or courage or love in life. And it's by little measures, 
we can make big transformations, but often the people who are the most happy, you see a habit pattern, you, you see practices. And I don't know anyone, especially, you know, who, who've been through a lot of the things you've, I've been through brain injuries and challenges that who, you know, were just perpetually always that way. They had to do a lot of mindset work, a lot of habit work, a lot of relationship work. And a lot of like seeking out their dreams. And now they seem so stable and so centered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but along the way, sometimes they're a hot mess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> you mentioned mentors. Tell me who were your mentors starting out? Mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad. So uh, my dad served 20 years in the U.S. Marine Corps. My mom is French-Vietnamese. And her father was killed in the French-Vietnamese conflict. And an amazing, magical thing happened there. Like this amazing love story, like for a movie where my dad's from Montana, joins the Marine Corps, gets shipped to Vietnam, fights three tours in Vietnam, gets all shot up, comes back to the U.S., starts recruiting for the Marine Corps around the U.S., ends up in Washington, D.C. My mom, father's killed in the French-Vietnamese conflict, gets shipped to France in the Child of War program, grows up in boarding schools there, hates it, flees, moves to the U.S., to start a new life and uh, meets her first husband who was abusive. That doesn't go well. She ends up fleeing there, moves to DC with her new um, young son. And one day my dad's coming home, walks up the stoop of this apartment building, sees this young man, this young boy sitting there. Where's your mom? Oh, it's up. Follows him up, door opens. My dad, this Vietnam vet, my mom standing there. And they instantly fall in love and uh, move back to Montana to raise a family. And uh, my dad was just a dedicated, hard work ethic guy, surviving PTSD, worked as a highway patrol person, then at the DMV. So imagine how hard that job is. Mm -hmm. And then my mom's cutting hair and a secretary at the hospital and just dedicated to caring for other people. She's like the happiest person you'll ever meet. She's just like joyous because of her perspective in life. And they both just had something about the way they raised his kids said, be your own self. My dad was always saying, be yourself, be honest, do your best, take care of your family, treat people with respect, follow your dreams. It doesn't get much more complicated than that, you know? Those are great mentors. Yeah. Yeah. I lucked out with two good parents. I had a high school teacher who she believed in me. And uh, I was about to drop out of school and she said, no, you know, stay in. I'll give you a chance in this journalism department. You, you can help us shoot uh, photos. You like photos. And uh, she made me a photo editor at the school newspaper. The school newspaper goes on to win number one in the country. And because she guides all of us to believe in ourselves, to be innovative, to be creative, to work together. This is and- in high school? This is high school. Before your accident. This is before my accident. Wow. She was one of the first people to ever believe in me and uh, and taught me about journalism and the ethic of, you know, research and writing. And it was just, it was amazing. And then when the car accident happened, luckily, I just, I went into kind of research mode from a lot of things she had taught me. Wow. And And I also wanted to be a role model and a mentor to other people who were kind of like me you know, this kind of someone who wanted to do something creative, but didn't know how. And she taught me. And, and I think I've done that with a lot of creators in our industry. So it's been full circle a little bit. That's so cool. What do you think 
you know, people always talk about success. They're like, what was the number one thing? But if you look back now, what do you think is your, like the, the key to your specific success? Everyone has different paths and different journeys, but what do you think has helped you the most? I would say two things. The first is that intentional living component of, so when, when I faced my death at 19 years old, I learned at the end of our lives, we're all going to ask these questions to determine whether or not we're happy. You know, whether you're on a rocking chair at 90 or you're in the hospital at 30 or something's going on, you're going to evaluate your life. Mm-hmm. That's what I learned from the car accident. And I learned my questions were, did I live? Did I love? Did I matter? So what did I do with that? Because a lot of people question their life. What I did with that is I said, okay, every night for the rest of my life, I'm going to, before I go to bed, I'm going to lay in bed. I'm going to ask, did I live today? Did I love today? Did I matter today? In other words, intention and self-evaluation every day for 25 years. Really? That's it. So some nights, did I live today? Not really. You know, I wasn't really myself in this situation or, you know, I didn't make myself feel grateful or motivated. Did I love today? No, I was a jerk to my wife or did I matter? You know, no, I got distracted in TikTok or something. (laughs) It's one intention. And then two, the self-awareness of self-evaluation on a consistent basis. I I think that- that. That's like your ultimate radar. I tell everyone, it's not very motivating, but I think the greatest motivation in the world is what I call mortality motivation. The fact that we are all going to pass away. So if you can determine what will the questions be that you're going to ask at the end of your life and just ask them every day Mm. to try to gear yourself towards, for me, living and loving and making a difference, then over a period of time, we'll be on the right track. I think the second thing then would just be forcing oneself into leadership. I like that. Forcing. (laughs) Forcing oneself. You know, forcing was like, do you really want to make a difference in the world? Okay. You're, You're going to have to develop yourself. You're going to have to adopt a role model mindset. You're going to have to say, okay, what skills would I need to build? Or how can I work with other people to communicate better? Like for me, I was a terrible communicator, awkward, nervous terrible, was not speaking to arenas, you know, out of the womb. (laughs) Like it was, it was, okay, I have these ideas about life. I want to share them. I'm a terrible communicator. I'm going to learn to be a better communicator. I'm going to force myself into situations where I have to communicate. I have to give a speech. I have to stand up. I have to speak up. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hear if I'm in a meeting and someone has a big goal, I'm like, let's do it. Let's figure out together. And I'm going to, I'm going to be that person, even though that's not natural for me, So I can learn to make a difference in the world beyond just my contributions, but by leading other people. So I feel like when people learn leadership through books, through experiences, they ultimately become more compassionate, more understanding, more collaborative. They learn to work through conflict. They learn to achieve goals together. Like without an emphasis in leadership, I just don't feel like I would have ever broken through. Mm. And and you've seen me lead with a a group of creators or influencers. I'm not doing anything. I'm usually setting up the stage, setting up the questions, allowing the round robins and listening and encouraging people. And so I don't think I'm great at it per se, but I feel like you learn to do those things, but you have to, I don't think anyone has a natural inclination for it. I think you have to teach yourself and put yourself in those positions and you get better at, I mean, I think how skilled you are as a communicator. I mean, that that wasn't easy. You got better and better. You ran the reps. You well, put yourself in the hard interviews and the hard situations. And that's why so many people admire you because they see you. that you did that. Well, I'm laughing because the girls know 
I talk about the fact that from a really young age, I knew where I wanted to go. By 13, I'm like, I'm moving to LA. I know what I want to do in the general sense, right? I, I knew I wanted to be in this industry. And so I was scared shitless of being <laughs> on stage. So I started performing in, in high school, like singing in, you know, solos and duets. And, and literally we look back at the videos and we laugh because I'm like, and I'm barely singing. It's barely coming out of my mouth. I'm horrified. I would speak in the church. I would give like uh, speeches. Anytime I had an opportunity or I could carve out an opportunity to put myself in the scariest, most uncomfortable positions, I would do it because I knew where I wanted to go and I knew I needed to build that. No one taught me or told me that, but instinctively I knew, I'm like, you got to get some balls here. Like you got to, you got to be able to do this. And so I laughing at that because that's, that's exactly what I knew to do as well. And I wonder as you were building your communication skills for people who are listening that have no idea where to start, where, where did you start? What did you do? In every decision you make to communicate and every opportunity you have, you push yourself. That's it. That's the decision. You push yourself. I was talking to a friend of ours recently about, um, you know, they're getting a, a bigger stage and I've spoken to every arena and conference center in the U.S. pretty much by now. And uh, I remember I was sharing the story of, I was speaking to 30,000 people at the Superdome and I was the keynote and it was for a a company that did like athletic teaching and training videos. And it's called Beachbody. I think you're- Of course, yeah. I did work with Beachbody once. When you're on the go 24 seven, like me guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me from working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials. It's been my go-to for so many years and having everything in one place is such a time saver for me with being a first time mom for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. With summer upon us, friends, hair is going to be even more important. Yes, we've got humidity, we've got sun, we've got all kinds of things. And sometimes it's hard to find the right shampoo 
for your hair. Everyone's hair is so different and there's no one size fits all solution. That's why I love Way. They have different shampoos depending on your hair type. Want volume? Fine hair and conditioner will give you that extra oomph you need. If you need some moisture and a little extra bounce, find your happy medium with medium shampoo and conditioner. And for my peeps with thick hair like me, give your hair the hydration it deserves with thick hair shampoo and conditioner. Plus, you guys already know Way carries some of my favorite hair care products I use all the time, whether it's the leave-in conditioner, which is my go-to, or the hair oil. They give my hair this hydrating refresh all summer long. Wash your way to healthier hair. <laughs> See what I did there? With shampoos and conditioners made just for you. Go to the way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Use the code Squad for 15% off your entire purchase. That's theway.com, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Use the code Squad. Your hair deserves it. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Okay. So I was keynoting yeah. Beachbody's event and, uh, you know, this is a, a really exciting event, you know, like I said, you know, 20, 30,000 people there. And now I can go and give my regular speech, talk about high performance habits, talk about personal development. And, but I'm sitting there going, okay, big arena, been to, done the arenas before. What am I going to do this time? This can be hard because Ooh, I think that you could have gone in and coasted, but you chose not to. Totally. Because Even you know what we all want? Level. Yeah, we all want, we don't really, most people don't re realize this until they really get into personal development. But what we want to do is not reach a potential. We want to ever expand our potential. Mm -hmm. There's no one potential you hit, just like there's no one purpose. You want to ever expand that. And so I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? So I called up Tony Horton and Shalene Johnson, who were their big teachers at the time. And I said, what's the hardest move that you have? Like in all your videos, what's the one that people fall down, try and it's just hard. They can't pull it off. And Tony taught me this, like, I don't, I don't know what he calls it. It was like, you know, you do a handstand, you kick your legs out in a V shape and, and, and kind of do like a kick up backwards. So it's basically like a, a, like a donkey kick. I don't know what you would call it. <laughs> a handstand into a donkey kick. Okay. And then Shalene's was like this, this one hand reach over bridge. And so I said, okay, I'm going to be in front of 30,000 people. They do this all the time. I'm going to try to do those things. Now I'm going to speak in a suit, right? An audience that big. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have to practice this a lot. So I try it and I try it, try it for like days and days and days and weeks and weeks. I'm trying this thing. 60% of the time I fall down, hmm. like putting the two things together. They were never meant to be together. Very hard to do. <laughs> very, very it's stupid. I'm trying it. I packed two suits on the way down there so that in the hotel room. One, if one splits, you have the other one. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. So the night before I put on the suit and I tried 20, 30, 40 times. 
60% of the time, I've still fallen down. But I think, you know what? If tomorrow on stage, I get up there and I try. If I fall down, they'll probably cheer that I tried it. Because you tried. And, and they'll be impressed that I pushed myself. If I pull it off, probably half the people wouldn't even know that I just did it. And then it will like reverberate throughout the stadium. Like, did you see? he just did the thing and the thing and he put them together. Oh my God. And, and then I'd get this. I was like, at some point, it's going to be a win by pushing myself. Anyway, people can actually see me do it. It's on my, uh, the home video of my, of my YouTube channel. Oh my uh, God, I have to see you, it right you after You can this. actually see Tony Horton, I backstage <laughs> trying it out. And uh, it's hilarious. And I and bet I, you I, nailed both of them. I pulled it off. See? and Because um, what people don't realize is the power of pressure. Yeah. Like it actually goes in your favor more than it doesn't, I think, because I've had to put myself in those high pressured situations so many times. And no That's matter it. what most of the time you're going to get it. Now, are you going to be perfect? Maybe not, but you're going to get it. Yeah. I love what you said. I had to put myself into those high pressure situations. Mm -hmm. The truth is you didn't. Yeah. You could say, no, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not, you know, I haven't been trained for that. That's not my natural skill set. That's not my love language. It's like, no, no, you go, Hey, this is an opportunity to grow. I'm in, put me in coach. Always in. Yep. Always that is in. The, that's the difference maker. That's why you think of all the people you've seen come on television trying to do your career and they're, they're a spark. They're there for a year or two. What creates enduring excellence is that willingness to constantly challenge oneself. Mm -hmm. And most people avoid that because it's terribly uncomfortable, because they might look stupid, because other people will judge the effort immediately. But what high performers know is, by challenging myself that it's not, it, you know, what most people think is like, oh, it's just because they want to be great. The truth is we know from psychology that it puts us in a place of flow. It puts us in our creative edge. It amplifies something in our heart that is courageous. It is an act of personal development and positive psychology to challenge ourselves. And what the world needs more of right now is that willingness again. Mm -hmm. Because we've gotten ourselves into the conversation that everything has to be, you know, situated for perfection or situated for safety or situated for us to win. And the reality is when we stop challenging ourselves, we have a less courageous society. When we stop challenging ourselves, we have less innovation. When we stop challenging ourselves, everyone's bored at work. You know, when we stop challenging ourselves, our marriages are boring. When we stop challenging ourselves, something in our heart kind of dies. And it's that potential that we all feel and we know is there. And it won't be activated by thinking about it. It will be like, I'm going to do what Maria said and put myself into this high pressure situation or difficulty. And we have to do that in every way. So for me with speeches, it's like, okay, this speech, what am I going to do? What's going to be different? How am I going to push myself? What's a story I could tell that's more vulnerable? How can I hold that space? How can I do something different in the audience? How can I, you know, throw out all the notes? And, you know, all of that, it's just little things. If you can go through kind of the steps for everybody, if they want to mm. access happiness in their life, how, if you could describe that for people. 
Well, do you want like the big overarching themes or do you want like the emergency toolkit if you need to do something in the next 10 minutes? Let's do both. Let's start with the emergency <laughs> toolkit because everyone's in okay. a lot of people are in 911 moments. Let's go for it. Yes, exactly. Right. That's why I put together the list. So these are things that you could do right now that are going to give you a boost. You know, um, this is not the deep work. Um, these are not the long-term things. These are the short-term things. These are the band-aids that, you know, you can use right now. So one is you mentioned movement. So go outside for a 10-minute walk. Do 10 jumping jacks. I find that getting my feet off the floor, it's energetic, it's playful, it's kind of goofy. I constantly tell my daughters, do 10 jumping jacks if they're feeling low. But a little bit of walking um, does is so great for our energy and focus and also just getting out in the sunlight. We spend most of our time indoors and even in a brightly lit room, it's a much dimmer environment than if you went outside on even a very overcast day. And that light goes right into our eyes. It's helpful for our circadian rhythm and all kinds of things that are happening in our body. And it will improve our, our mood, our, our, our energy, our immune function, which everybody's focused on right now. Another thing is music. Listening to your favorite upbeat music is one of the quickest, easiest ways to intervene in your mood. So, you know, a lot of people have, uh, I have a podcast with my sister called Happier, and we invited listeners to send their favorite songs, like their go-to song. And so there's a Happier 911 playlist that we put together. And this is everybody's mm. like, if you have that one song, Song that you play when you need your like your 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 walk on music or whatever because that's very easy. Um, another thing is to do something nice for someone else. Do good, feel good. It really works. Um, if you can do a little good deed for someone else, I mean, even as small as, um, oh, you're looking for a good novel, let me recommend a great novel. Doing something small for someone else or something big for someone else makes us, our lives reflect our values. And, and it also just makes us feel good. It's one of the nicest things about human nature is that it makes us feel good to do, to make other people happier. Another thing to do is just to connect with someone else. And e this is true even for introverts. Um, having a moment of connection tends to boost our mood. And this is even something as simple as, you know, having saying a quick hello to a clerk in a store or like where I live, like everyone's wearing masks all the time. And so people are really going out of their way to kind of wave and to smile big so that we have kind of a sense of friendliness on the street in this time. And, you know, these little moments of connection with other people, stopping to talk to someone's dog, you know, things like that, they really do boost our mood. So these are things you can do very quick. Oh, and in my, one of my favorite things is to, is to connect with your body through smell. I love the sense of smell. Me smell too. a bottle of vanilla, smell your fresh dog. You do. Oh, oh my let's God. talk about smell. Yesterday, I was so a little powerful. bit sad and I, I walked over to my jasmine and there's just a few left. And I went and I inhaled and I literally said, thank you, God, for leaving a few on here for me. I mean, it is like there's nothing like um, and when you pay attention to how much these senses enliven our lives, mm -hmm. sen it sounds like you and I are very tuned into scent, but people take it for granted. They don't realize like when people lose their sense of scent, uh, their sense of smell, they really experience um, a loss and often go into depression. It messes with their, their appetite. It, it messes with their relationships. They feel disconnected from other people because they're not connected by smell. So it is one thing that it's easy to ignore it. It can kind of fade into the background. But if you dial into it, if you really take the moment to smell the jasmine, right? You can stop and smell the roses. You can stop and smell the jasmine. You can stop and smell a bottle of cinnamon, which I like to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, baby powder, your husband's shaving cream, all these things. These, these, are, these are wonderful. I just bought a, I was in the grocery store. I almost never go to the grocery store, so it's like really exciting now. And um, they had a bar of lava soap, which was what my grandfather used when I was little because he was an engineer um, on the Union Pacific Railroad, so he needed it for his hands. I was like, 
I'm going to buy this soap just so I can feel it and smell it and be taken back to my childhood. It was like so exciting to do that. And all I did was, you know, pay attention to a bar of soap. I know. Scent is major for me. I have the most powerful nose. And so it's my alert (laughs) as well as it's my joy. And so for me going out on a hike, I, I smell every smell that's out there. It gives me so much joy. And it turns out it's very uh, energy, uh, it's very costly for plants to create smells. And so they, if they breathe the smell out, then the plant has, can redirect those, those resources elsewhere. And so it's meant to make the plant more vital. Um, and yet I feel like I want, where are the roses of yesteryear or the lilacs or, or, mm-hmm. or you know, and the thing about perfume and, and beautiful smells is you can't glut yourself on it. You can't yeah. overdo it. You can't, you can't bookmark it. You can't save it for later. You can't procrastinate. It grounds you in now in a way that very few things do. You can have too many chocolate chip cookies and you can watch, you can binge watch something for too long, but you can't smell a good smell, what, for more than probably five, 10 minutes. And then that nose fly, that, that you just lose the ability to sell it. I went to a Tony Robbins seminar and one of the things that we talked about was how can you access happiness really quickly in your life? And that stuck with me because, you know, happiness, I think sometimes we equate it with expensive events, Disney World or a vacation or things like that. So I had to re reconfigure my brain to say, okay, here's a list of things that if I'm unhappy, I can shift really quickly with these few things. And so I made the list and it was like smelling flowers, going for a walk, hugging my dogs, looking for butterflies or, you know, looking, going out into nature and and taking my you know shoes off and walking in grass. And so I kept that list until I made it a habit. And so now when I'm unhappy, it's a habit. I know, okay, this is an emotion I don't really want to sit in right now. And I'm going to go access my happiness for free because it's available and it's possible. Well, I think that's really important because I think sometimes people feel like unhappiness or happiness just kind of washes over you and you sort of just have to take whatever it comes instead of realizing like there's a lot of things that we can do. Now, some circumstances are beyond your control, but there are many things that you can control. Just like you say, if you're like, I'm going to feel better if I like take off my shoes and walk around outside in the fresh green grass. And that's going to like, that's something that you can do. That's something that you can control. And even having a sense of control makes people feel happier. Mm -hmm. And so even the idea, like, I would like to change something, I would like to do something that itself will be reassuring to you and to realize that there's things that you can do. I think it's great. I think everyone should have a long list of healthy treats and they have to be healthy treats like washing, walking, you know, smelling jasmine because you don't want to do something to make yourself feel better that then just ends up making you feel worse in the long run, like the extra brownie or Mm -hmm. the impulse purchase or, you know, the extra glass of wine. You want, um, you want these things that are going to make you happier in the long run, but having a big list like that, that you can go to when you feel like you need to give yourself a little bit of a charge. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And I like keeping it on the refrigerator because that's usually we're going to go to when you're unhappy. Yeah. (laughs) And they're like, oh, I don't need that Snickers ice cream bar. I'm going to go for a hike. Yeah. No, it is is tempting to reach for the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. You've spent your life researching happiness. So the things that you're mentioning are researched. They're not just opinions. These are like heavily researched solutions. And so let's go into kind of the deeper happiness. You know, we went Mm -hmm. through the 911, but overall to have a more happy life and maybe joyful life. And 
like you said, it can't always be that. And by the way, contrast is so important because without the contrast, you wouldn't know what happiness is. Yeah. If you were going to say, what's the secret to happiness? I think you could answer that question in two ways, uh, depending on kind of what angle you take on the question. And the first, ancient philosophers and contemporary scientists agree that to be happy, we had to, we have to have strong relationships with other people. Um, we need to feel like we belong. We need to be able to confide. We need enduring intimate bonds. Um, we need to be able to get support. And just as important for happiness, we need to be able to give support. And when scientists study people who say that they're very happy, what they see is these are people who have a lot of deep relationships in their lives. Now, of course, people are different. Some people want to go into a big cocktail party. Some people want to like sit down and have coffee with one friend. People have different social energies. But this need for enduring social bonds is something that everyone shares. And so it's part of our nature. Our human nature um, is you know, we're, to connect with other people. And so if you're thinking about what to do to be happier, anything that broadens our relationships or deepens our relationships is probably something that's going to make us happier, whether that's joining a book group or, you know, spending the money to go to your college reunion or organizing, a, you know, a party or going to that Zoom call, even though you feel Zoomed out. Um, these are things that are going to make probably going to make us happier. Now, the other way you can answer the question about what is the secret to happiness is self-knowledge, um, because each of us is different. There's no magic one-size-fits-all solution. Uh, to you, nature sounds really important. To other people, nature is not that important. Mm -hmm. I have a friend and she said, oh, Gretchen, you know I hate the outdoors. And I was like, can you do that? Uh, like, my husband. Sure you can. My husband. Yeah. He wants to be in front of right. a TV. So, I mean, for some people, music, for some people, travel, for some people, cooking. Like there's, you know, and then and then there are certain things that are, like I said, you know, everybody needs relationships. But what that might look like for a person might be very different from one person to another person. So we each have to figure it out our, for ourselves. So we have to know ourselves. And you think, well, what's easier than knowing yourself? You just hang out with yourself all day long. And yet often we're distracted by the way we wished we were or with the way we think we ought to be or what other people expect from us or want from us. Um, and so I often like I'm looking for kind of indirect questions to give me insight into the truth about myself, maybe things that I don't recognize or don't even want to recognize, because it's only by recognizing what's true about ourselves can we make a life that reflects our own interests, our own temperament, our own values. I have to ask, you know, the first thing you talked about was having strong bonds and strong relationships. How many people would you say, like, sometimes I feel like I have this conversation with a lot of people, even with myself, like, how many people are you supposed to have as those close friends? Because sometimes I say to a lot of my friends, I'm like, you're lucky if you have one true confidant that you can really say everything that you feel to. Is, is it supposed to be more or is one enough? I don't think that there's one answer for that because I think people really do have different needs and different desires. I'm not sure I have anybody in my life who I think I would tell anything to. Maybe my sister, but no, definitely not my sister. So maybe I don't have a big desire to disclose my deepest, darkest thoughts. But then I don't know if you saw the television show Transparent, but one of the things that struck me is how those that those two sisters and brothers, they told each other stuff. I was like, I can't believe that they're just casually telling each other these things. And it, it, so it's interesting how people have like, so I don't think there is one answer. I think some people want to have many friends. Some people want to have like 
one best friend. You know, some people really want a romantic relationship or other people, a romantic relationship isn't as important. And here's something interesting. For many people, having an animal in their life is really an important kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. Many people feel like there's nothing that they wouldn't do to have a dog or, or less conveniently to have a horse. Like there is that group of people that are like, they really, really want to be around horses, which dogs are easier. Cats are easier. But, you know, I have a dog and I was surprised by like, we got a dog five years ago, how much happier our family was, like how much happiness, even though all the research shows, oh, dogs make people happier. I'm like, well, this is really true. But for some (laughs) people, it's like a, it's like a hunger. It's like they, they just, they pine for that. Um, And if that's true for you, then, then I think that would be something that you would want. Whereas for someone else, it might be nice the way that it is for me. Like I enjoy it. And then for other people, they'd say, well, I would prefer to have more freedom and not to have the responsibility of a pet or an animal in my life. And so for me, it's not the right, it's not the right decision. So I think there's not a, there's not a blueprint. It's more like a toolkit. You pick the tools that work for you, but there's not like one, one, one size fits all. I like that. I think that, um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. My, my dogs are my everything. Mm. And and for me, it's nature and animals. Those are the two things that make me the happiest. Interesting. Yeah. We'll see. And you know that about yourself. And so, because you have that clarity of your own values that, that can, okay, you're going to move. Are you going to have a backyard? It sounds like you're probably going to want to have a backyard. You know what I mean? Whereas for somebody else, they'd be like, why don't I get an apartment that I don't have to worry about my yard? You know? Yeah. Once you know these things about yourself, it's much easier to sort of, but on the other hand, we don't want those to become limitations because sometimes people get identities that lock them in or can even trap them. So that's part of the tension. You want to know yourself, but you also want to be willing to change and grow. We want to accept ourselves, but we also want to expect more from ourselves. So there's, you sort of can't like figure it out and stop thinking about it. It's, it's yeah. kind of the, it's, it's the, it's the challenge of our whole lives. Well, we evolve, right? So like for me, I remember after I had surgery um, three years ago, I wanted to, you've talked about this in your YouTube talks is I wanted to shed everything. I'm like, get rid of all the materials. Yeah. They're weighing me down. They're forcing me to have to work to support all these things. I'm going to move into a like little condo, keep it simple and not have the stress of this, you know, um, these burdens. And my husband was looking at me, he's like, I don't know if you're going to be happy without the trees and the yard and the grass. And I think that as you evolve, you can make sacrifices for the different reward, right? So for me, yes, I could see that maybe I would be sad if I left a property that gave me those scents and that happiness. But if I moved somewhere where I didn't have all the stress and the burdens and the worries, and then it gave me more freedom to go access those other things, you know, whether it's getting a condo somewhere in the mountains where I could hike and have that feeling anytime I wanted, you can you can do it in different ways rather than kind of pigeonholing yourself. Well, I know exactly what you mean, because before the COVID situation happened, um, I was going to the Metropolitan Museum every day. I was going to do it every day in 2020. And one of the things I love about the Met is like the more I went, the more I felt like it was mine. You know, like I kind of inhabited it because I was there so much and yet I had no responsibility. I'm like, I wouldn't want a valuable painting. I'd have to insure it. I'd have to light it. I'd have to frame it. Like, where would I put it? Like, who wants all that? I mean, 
I wouldn't even want it if you gave it to me for free. It's too much responsibility. But this way, it's like I can enjoy it all. And it's like I can do it. And I live right like I'm so fortunate. I live very close to the Met. It's right there. Yeah, but I just walk away. It's like and I live right by Central Park. And I'm like, oh, I go to Conservatory Garden. And it's this beautiful cultivated garden with all these plantings and everything. And I walk through it and I enjoy it. And then I wave my hand goodbye and go back and don't have to like, you know, manage it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have to deadhead a plant. Yeah. And so I think you're right. I think sometimes you can you can you don't have to you can find different ways to get to whatever it is that makes you happy. You don't necessarily have to own it all or buy it or have it, you know, right under your roof in order to take advantage of it. And this is I love to read. And I mean, that's what I love about the library. It's like, I don't I don't I, I can just take it and then return it. I don't even have to find a place for it on my shelf, you know? Yeah. yeah. So there is great joy in that. You well. talk about happiness as a spectrum. Can you get into that for us a little bit? Well, you know, I think sometimes people think of happiness as like, okay, this is, you know, what is happiness? I need to be a 10 on the one to 10 scale and I should be there all the time. But really, you know, happiness, they say, um, research suggests that it's about 50% genetically determined. So some people are born Tiggers and some people are born Eeyores and We see that in the world that's hardwired. Then about 10 to 20% is something called life circumstances. So that's age, health, marital status, occupation, education, things like that. And then all the rest is within uh, very much influenced by our conscious thoughts and actions. So that's the kind of thing where you're like, I'm gonna take a walk and smell a lot of old roses. Well, that's something that you're deciding to do. It's gonna affect your happiness, but it's within your conscious control. Research suggests that about 50% of happiness is genetically determined. So some people are born Tiggers, some people are born Eeyores, and that's pretty much hardwired. Then about 10 to 20% is something called life circumstances. That's things like education, occupation, marital status, health. And then all the rest is very much influenced by our conscious thoughts and actions, like your decision to go outside for a walk and smell some old rose bushes. That's something that you decided to do. You knew it would make you happier. And so you did it. So for all of us, I think that's where we can really concentrate because that's where we can influence that range. Um, One person might be a seven to a 10. Another person might be four to seven. But we all have things that we can do within our control, within our conscious thoughts and actions that can make sure that we're staying up at the top of our range instead of pressing ourselves down to the bottom of our range. So obviously I post a lot of things that are about, you know, they're serious topics, how to change this, how to change your reticular activating system, you know, all these really detailed things. And uh, my friends are like, probably you have too. They're like, Hey dude, don't take it too seriously. Like I really know you. Right. (laughs) And the most popular guy on my Instagram right now, I put on, I call him Richard Cabeza. He's one of my really good friends. That's Dick and Cabeza in Spanish is head. Yeah. Freaking hilarious. I didn't and make that connection until you said it. <laughs> what Richard does, his real name's Kelly Gwynn, but what he does is every Saturday he sends me an Instagram post mocking what I teach for the most part, right? Like, he's like, you really changed my life, Ed. And he's smoking a cigarette and drinking a beer. <laughs> he hasn't shaved. He's all disheveled. But it gives me a level of, of grounding and empathy and, you know, I'm not to be political because I'm really, I'd be a really unique politician because I'm socially extremely liberal and financially though, I'm a pretty conservative dude, right? Like I've, I've never, everyone's, why don't you run for office? Cause nobody would vote for me because, because I don't belong to a, a particular political party. But one of the things I'm most disappointed in is right now is the lack of empathy by leaders. Oh, it's like, hello, can you, can you, yeah. can you fake empathy? Like, yeah. no, just like, 
Could you try to fake it? Once? No, the lobotomy. There was like an empathy lobotomy that yes. took place. And it just breaks my heart yeah. because it's such kindness and empathy and listening. People think, oh, those are really nouveau, you know, left ideas. They're not. You know what's made me a good entrepreneur? You want to be a good capitalist? Empathy, listening, getting the ideas of other people, kindness. The most successful people in everything I know. Phil Jackson is the greatest NBA coach maybe of all time. What's he kind of really known for? Being a little bit more empathetic, being a listener, being kind, right? Like, I, I just happen to believe that that's the pathway to success as well. Like it serves a hardcore capitalist entrepreneur who wants to be rich and change the world. And it serves a leader who's trying to heal a nation. It, it's what you do in a relationship. It's what you do in a friendship. And so I, uh, I think empathy is this super undervalued, undercommunicated, tremendous quality of successful, happy people. Yeah. And I'm brokenhearted to see that not from leadership in the country. It just crushes me. So I totally agree. Yeah, I, I agree as well. I wonder your what your take is on success, right? When you're an overachiever like you are, an uber successful, like does it ever is it ever enough? Boy, I teach this better than I live it, to be really transparent. I'm in this really vulnerable, transparent stage, you know. No, it's never enough. But for me, that never enough has moved to, I think, a healthy place. So initially, people say, well, material things will never make you happy. Well, that's just like a complete lie. I mean, no one who's ever bought a nice suit or got a new car or whatever. Of course, it made you happy. That's not true. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course it does. What it is is short term, though. And there's a gigantic difference between happiness and fulfillment. And people conflate these far too often in life. Now, material things and wealth will not fulfill you. We all know so many very mm -hmm. wealthy people who are completely unfulfilled. And so my addiction to more moved from a house, another jet or whatever, because it was just short-term happiness that quite frankly was empty. That doesn't mean I don't think you should want to go achieve it. Hey, if they're going to make a Ferrari and they're going to make a Camry and you'd rather drive a Ferrari, more power to you. I don't judge you for that. And I think it's wonderful if you want to go get those things. And I don't like the demonization of pursuit of success either. Okay. I think a lot of good things can come from that. But for me, the pathway to fulfillment is other people. One of my main sayings is that people matter, things don't. And I love people. I'm interested in people. I love people say, do you get, I love Uber. I love getting in an Uber and I got 40 minutes with another human being, typically from a walk of life I'm not currently leading. And I love these I think I drive half my Uber drivers crazy because like mm. it's like being on my show. Like, so what about this? Where'd you grow up? What do you think about that? What about Trump? What about the protest? I got I love people. Mm -hmm. And that started when I walked in McKinley home for boys. And so that'll never be enough for me. Like, why are we doing this today? I've got several, you know, other things I'm doing today. Because this isn't work. This is my home. Like this this will end soon. And I'll feel like it was like a, a flicker. So for me. The achievement and contributing to other people will never be enough. And I love that. And for, in my life, I sort of spent the first half of my life accumulating things. And I've decided I want to spend the second half of my life helping people. Not that I didn't help them to get where I was, but I want my full-time obsession where I feel the most alive is when I'm doing this. And the pathway out of helpless is to be helpful. Just pick something up and do something for another person. Yep. You can't simultaneously be helpful 
and feel helpless. And you really can't be helping other people and not feel a sense of fulfillment. Yep. And so it's a very simple path to having more bliss in your life. And that bliss comes in the service of other people. And it's not corny and it's not hokey. It is the path for you. And God gave you unique blessings and gifts, specially wired into you that are just yours. It's your intellect, your beauty, your humor, your work ethic, your um, empathy, your intensity, your passion. You've got some of these gifts. Everyone's got two or three very special gifts, your discernment. And it, a fulfilled life is identifying what your two or three specials are and then using those in the service of other people. That, to me, is a fulfilling life. Know your two or three special gifts and use whatever those are in a way to serve other people. It's also the way to become a successful entrepreneur. Figure out your two or three special gifts. Figure out how to solve people's problems with those gifts. And you'll probably make a lot of money. It's the same pathway. They're not, they're not different paths. Yeah. You I mentioned, always, I always no, you go ahead. In crisis, beauty can be born. I mean, mm -hmm. there's things that come out of, you know, as an entrepreneur myself of, of 11 years, it's ups and downs. But sometimes during that downtime that I got some great ideas because you're kind of stripped. Mm -hmm. Like you're at the base, you're, you're just at bare level and you're trying to figure, trying to climb, you're trying to climb out of it. And I have some great ideas that now are successful, but would I have thought of them when I was in a low, if I hadn't gone through a low moment? Maybe not, maybe so. But it's like, when you go through moments like this, there's some great stuff that is born, you know, great talent, great content, great, you know, leaders, great everything. And so I, I just think that this is a time for a change. That's going to be the most amazing thing is because you're so right. Who's the leader that's going to emerge now? Yeah. But there's someone out there that's going to emerge as a leader, mm -hmm. maybe multiple, actually probably multiple people. Yep. And I think that's a really exciting thing. And just go through history, Amazon, and you go look at the biggest companies in the world, the Apples, the Amazons were all born in down economic cycles, right? Netflix, down economic cycles, Amazon, down cycle, Apple, down cycle, like some of the biggest behemoths on earth that are companies were born in really bad economies. And we're not in a good economy again. Like no matter what the stock market's telling you, things aren't good right now. We won't be good for a little while. And there's going to be tons of new entrepreneurs born during this time out of necessity. They can't get a job, so they're going to start a business. Yeah. And, and they're going to become successful because they're going to be innovative and resourceful and respond to modern times needs of other people. And that's where great businesses will be born. Yeah, it's cool to hear your definition of success. Three years ago on Monday, I had brain surgery. And, and it was not happening to me. It happened for me. And it changed my entire life and my perspective on things. And... I went on this complete new journey and redefining success was something that was really important to me and something that I feel like we all need as a collective to unburden us in a sense of, uh, of the pursuit of things and rather the pursuit of what our soul is screaming for. And I feel like the coronavirus was the collective brain tumor for everyone because I kept saying, I'm like, how how do I get people to have the aha moments I've had without giving them a brain tumor or some life-altering experience? And I feel like the coronavirus was definitely that for a lot of people because it forced us to go inward. We were stuck alone or stuck at home. We didn't have the usual distractions that we had. We all realized that the most important thing in life is our health and the health and well-being of the people we love and the connection that we have with people, right? As that connection was severed, right, 
we now realize just how badly we need humans. And I feel like it's important for people who are trying out there to hear that success isn't measured by the things because that's usually what we first go for. Like I had benchmarks, right? I, I you know, I, I had things where I was like, oh, if I get this, then I've definitely made her. I get that. But then it's like, like you said, you get them and it's like, oh, okay, cool. So I'm getting back into my Porsche. I don't think about it anymore. I don't think, you know, I do think about it when the top's down. I'm like, yes, I love the air and I love driving fast. Don't tell the police. But but I, it, it does, it quickly goes. And then you're like, okay, well, what's next? I had a life alter. I had a severe case of Bell's palsy and I was down for almost a year. And Maria was very helpful to me, actually, when I, I talked to her during that time period. Um, and so I feel the same way. I feel like, just, I mean, when this time, when the virus time, I go, I had a virus too. And I got it through my ear and my face went paralyzed. Um, and so it's kind of like we all, and I, was, I had to learn how to stop. I had to learn how to stop. And Maria knows how this is too. And really go inward and, and take stock on everything that's going on. And I think right now the world had to stop. Because yep. we're all going through this together. It's, it's just so amazing. Again, like I said earlier, we couldn't go the way we were going. Yes. Like we were doing it. But at some point, something was going to intervene. Yeah. And so I kind of agree with Maria and what she's saying about that. Like, just something had to happen. No matter what it was, it was it was bound to happen. I totally, I think it's a consciousness reset. That's what I was hoping we would get from Corona. And it's amazing that you say that. I had a heart attack when I was 32. And that was my moment. And one of the things that changed for me, it wasn't that I didn't have lists of things I want to do. I still do to this day. It was, this is a really serious topic to me too. So forgive me for lecturing on it, but I really believe people have a problem with giving themselves permission to be fulfilled and happy now. And so there's this notion in the world that I'm going to delay when I get this promotion, then I'll give myself permission to happy. When I get the Porsche, then I'll be happy. When I get this relationship, then I'll be happy. And what happens is we keep moving the finish line mm -hmm. and we never get there. And the problem is no matter what happens, when you get that big mansion, you have to bring you with you there. And if you can't give yourself permission to love you now and be happy now, my heart attack for me said now matters. And so, yes, yep. health now matters. And I'm hoping that everyone here hears this, that you can. And then there's these other people. I call it blissful dissatisfaction. People conflate bliss and satisfaction. They think, well, if I celebrate it, Maria, you know you had this because I had it. If I really start enjoying everything, I'm going to lose all my drives. I'm going to lose all my ambition. So I'm going to kind of cheat my happiness now. Because my recipe is I don't really enjoy everything. That keeps me driven. And it's not true at all. You can be completely celebratory and happy and still be dissatisfied, still want to go to another level, still want to help more people, still want to acquire. My wife has this very bizarre habit she's developed as she's gotten older, which is really embarrassing. But she, when she eats like really pleasurable food, particularly if she's cooked it, she like starts moaning like orgasmically, like, 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 you know, it's just, I'm like, babe. I'm a food moaner, moaner for sure. Yeah, she's a, and it's, you know, you're beautiful. <laughs> she's beautiful. It's a little weird in the house, but it's like super embarrassing in public. Like super, like my birthday a couple of years ago, we're at this Italian restaurant. We walk in, some dudes are checking her out. That's okay. You can look a couple of times. And we sit down, we end up sitting right next to them with my kids. And she starts into this. I'm like, these dudes are going to explode. Like you, we're in a public place, right? <laughs> But she said something, because I'm always thinking about, you know, other stuff. She goes, but the more I enjoy it, the more I want another bite. And I'm like, oh, man, what a metaphor 
for how I don't always live. Mm -hmm. Like I think if I enjoy this too much, I'm not going to want another bite. And yeah. fact, the way the brain works is you give yourself more dopamine hits, the more you want to get to another level. So cheating yourself of bliss and happiness now actually robs you from whatever it is you think you want to go get in the future. And and it was a pretty good lesson for me, even though it's incredibly embarrassing and uncomfortable. That's so friggin' hilarious. And yeah, you'll see it when we have dinner. You'll see it. I am very place. big personality, so I do the same thing. I'm like moaning and freaking out. Like a friend of mine gave me a homemade apple pie the other day, and I'm on Instagram, and my eyeballs are poking out of my eyes, and I'm moaning and screaming, and this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me ever. And so, yeah, I'm the same way. That will be a very eventful dinner for sure. <laughs> Between the three of you, because she eats, you eat, and evidently your husband really eats. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Ed, I want to be respectful of your time. I have about pages, you know, three pages of things here, but I think we got to the most important stuff for today. I hope we can do this again sometime. And I hope uh, I hope I can get to know you and your wife better as well off the air. And can I say one thing before we go? Yeah. First off, I've enjoyed this. I we all do a lot of these. This is wonderful. I got more out of today than certainly anybody listening. I can guarantee you that. Oh. But one thing I want to tell everybody to just give themselves some credit, because, and that is right now in the world, you know, there's a lot of monitoring of what people say and don't say, and you got to say it this way. Let's give each other credit for our intentions. Mm -hmm. And let's, let's give ourselves credit for our intentions. People ask me all the time, what's one of the fastest ways to give yourself some more self-confidence? You know what? I'm a good man and I'm trying to do good in the world. And my self-esteem and my self-confidence does not come from my incredible abilities because I don't think I have them. But I give myself a lot of credit for intending to do well. And so, if, you know, that's what's beautiful about what you're doing here, Maria, right? And I just want to give you both credit, frankly, you're intending to do well in the world. And one of the fastest ways to change your self-esteem and self-confidence is just to focus on how good your intentions are because you know that about yourself. You know it's true. You know you're a good man. You know you're a good woman. Give yourself some credit for that. And it's the fastest way to start to feel better about yourself. It's just your intention to do well, your intention to help, your intention to do good. And you know what you're going to find out? Most people intend to do well. Not everybody, but yeah. most people do. And that's a path for more confidence. That's a path for more change. That's a path for more empathy about everything we've talked about. So I just wanted to add that at the end before you kick me out. I love that. I love that. What a great way. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or MariaMenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions.
Well, that's it for today, Heal Squad. Before I let you go, I want to make sure you don't forget to take care of yourself today. I'll be making sure I'm not forgetting to get outside, do my meditations, and of course, keep myself fueled with some sweet, chili, wonderful pistachios. Wonderful pistachios, as you know, are my go-to when hunger strikes because they're one of the highest protein nuts providing all nine essential amino acids, and they're great for on-the-go snacking. So... When you're ready to elevate your snacking game, visit wonderfulpistachios.com to grab a bag 